Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. We're going to kick off the show with somebody who um, is no stranger to the Karen Hunter Show. And uh, we got some questions. We're Today's election day somewhere. Uh, so he's here from his kitchen somewhere in South Carolina. Let me welcome the chair of the D, the N, and the C, Mr. Jamie Harrison. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you, Karen? I'm actually out in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, Why why would you do that? uh, Well, you know, my in-laws live out here, but I... uh, Wait, pause. Pause. You married to Mia Love? What's going on here? Well, now, come on now. Come on. (laughs) Your in-laws are in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it's got like 2% black people. I've seen your children. (laughs) So, no, your your wife's got melanin. (laughs) Come on. Well, there's some black folks out here in Salt Lake too. <laughs> All right. Well, shout out to Utah. Shout out. I'm 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 mounting a campaign. I would love for a million black people from New York to move to Utah. A million black people from New from New York to move to South Dakota. A million black people from New York to move to North Dakota. A million black people from California to move to Montana. Huh? You take some Senate seats. That's what I'm saying. They don't even have a million people. If we just come in the weather's nice. Some days, you know, the air is clean. Well, well, I tell you, Karen, I uh, last time uh, <laughs> the last time I was supposed to be on your show, I didn't I, I wasn't on your show because I got COVID. Oh. I took uh, Paxlovid okay. and all that other stuff. Well, uh, I don't know if you all know that sometimes one of the their rebounds on Paxlovid and I just tested positive for COVID a second time in, in less than a, in less than a month. So um, Wait, but I feel how- good. Other than a little stuffiness and all, I'm I'm fine. But um, but you know, COVID is is one hell of a. Uh, <laughs> I don't care. It's like blocking. <laughs> yeah. Can you take shorter told, breaths, Jamie Harrison? I don't know. I told my wife. I said I should play. I should play the lottery because if I got this type of damn luck, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, Laura look on me favorably and, and give me some. I feel like you'd be out in them streets without a mask. That's what I feel. Oh, uh, uh-uh. I got, I got my mask right. You here. got it you now, can... but I feel no, like you'd be out in them it. streets, though, Jamie Harrison. No, well, I'm out in the streets, but I do have my mask when I'm out there. All right. So, how um, do you think? I mean, we're gonna get into politics, and I know Cena's yeah. got uh, at least five questions for you. Yeah. Um. How... And hello, Cena. How are you? Great to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm you doing fantastic. Like Patiently waiting. Acknowledge my presence. <laughs> Um, how does one, do you know where you caught, who gave you the first batch of COVID? No, you know, I took a trip. Uh, it was a trip. I was in Arkansas and Florida, went to Miami and Orlando. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I had so many various meetings in Arkansas, met with a lot of folks, went to some rural, uh, had some rural briefings. And then I flew into the airport in Orlando and I turned to my staff and I said, uh, as I walked through the airport and said, I'm going to get COVID in this airport um, because there were so many people in that airport unmasked and it was so crowded together. Uh, and and well, I had on my mask, but my poor mask could not deal with. No, the, with the over uh, the overrun, overwrought. Just, so that's that you got that DeSantis strain. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Okay. It just I just could not deal with it. And so it was. Uh, I got home a few days later. Normally what I do because I travel a lot and I have a young one at home who's not vaccinated yet. So I I normally keep my mask on for a few days um, while I'm home. And then I test periodically and then I eventually take take my mask off and all. And 
that second day of being home, I just, I, my wife's like, Oh, are you coming to bed? Whatever. I said, I'm going to sleep in the basement. Cause I just, you know, when your body is telling you something ain't right. And so I went downstairs, slept in the basement that night, Karen, I had on my pajamas. I sweated through my, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was soaked and I was cold. Like I had the chills and I went and I tested cause we got all the test kits in the basement and I, I told my wife, don't send the kids down here. You stay up there. I got COVID. I'm going to stay down here. And so um, I ended up getting Paxlovid, which is the antiviral. And it's really good stuff because I felt almost, you know, a day or two afterwards, I felt so much better. But one of the things, the drawbacks with Paxlovid is they're seeing rebounds in it that, that if you take it, that sometimes your, your viral load goes down so low, but then it comes back up. Um, and so I think that's probably what happened. Well, but I, you know what? I, yeah, God is no, good. No, I, I, I was going to say, I'm that's not going to stop me from asking you questions. I wish no, you no. completely. <laughs> oh, no. Don't try to, you know, I have, I have no soft spots, especially. No, I you know, know you don't. So, uh, <laughs> so we're going, we're going to jump in. You know, um, it is election day, uh, in some places, uh, in this country. And we've been having a lot of candidates on. And there's a lot of amazing candidates. We had Charles Booker on. We had, um, Brother Booker. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, you know, did you love his ad campaign with the news? Oh, well, that took me. That that was hard. That was hard. I've, I have never seen a, an ad like that. I told Charles, I was like, dude, you, you going for it. Um, and so, and Charles will be an amazing senator for the state of Kentucky, Ken. An amazing senator. And um, I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to help him, help him get there because he would be transformational for that state. I agree. Uh, we had Chris Jones on. Um, Chris, also another brother who I got a chance to spend some time with in Arkansas. Uh, he and his wife, let me tell you, that's a dynamic duo. Uh, his, his wife is amazing. I told him, you married up too, brother. Um, but he he is fantastic, uh, a, a tremendous candidate, and I'm looking forward to him going against Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Suckabee, Suckabee. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Mia McLeod. Mia and uh, uh, Joe Cunningham, both of them. South, yeah, we yep. got South Carolina primary today. So uh, who are you? So how does the DNC in a case like that? Because we Mia stayed McLeod the hell is, out of it. We stayed the hell out of it until this, the, the primary, the voters have made their choices. And then we work with uh, who they choose. Who you voted. Did you vote in South Carolina early? Well, South Carolina is a. Uh, uh, Karen, this is the one thing I was supposed to get back home to South Carolina um, uh, today. To Wait, vote. hold on. The DNC did not, the DNC yeah. head of the DNC did not vote in his own state today? Well, well, well it's because I couldn't. You could have voted early. You don't know I what's going to happen. See, that's what, no, that's no. how this happens, y'all. When, when 20, 30 million people sit home, it's because they think they're going to be able to vote. And there's all this early voting. There's early voting. There was early voting in South Carolina, love, Jamie yeah, Harrison. I love the joy of going in that booth on election day. Like, I get a high from it. Oh, my and gosh. So, and so I had to cancel my flight uh, last night. I was supposed to be on the... And I tried every way I could to think about how to get there. And, you know, for me, I never miss a vote. I mean, I never. And so, and, and this also shows you how effed up our, our voting system is in that 
you know, if you get COVID, what do you do? What do you do? You can't go to a polling booth and infect anybody. And that's why we need to have ways that people people can figure out. And we've changed our voting laws in South Carolina to make it even worse in some cases. So um, I, I'm, I'm don't even get me started. I'm already heartbroken enough. And uh, my wife has heard me whine and complain and cry about this. Uh, so who would you have thing. voted for? Oh, I ain't saying that. I have to ask. Well, I you can yeah, ask, but I ain't telling you. Why don't you just get close to the microphone and just whisper it in my ear? I I'm won't. not telling you. Okay, got it. Got okay. It. But JB, yeah, I, yeah. I want to know though, you know, you're you're helming this whole party. How do you kind of unify a party that says they want to be unified, but can only really get unified under the banner of the other side is awful? Well, Cena, part of the listen, part of the the super strength of the Democratic Party is our diversity, but it is also diversity is hard. Yeah, you know when you got when when you got folks in the party who range from you know the Joe Mansions of the world to the Karen Hunters of the world, right? And everything. Wait, hold, wait, hold on. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, hold on. Whoa, wait, wait, hold on. How you gonna put I me thought, in the sentence with Joe Mansion? Yeah. I'm I'm the, throwing the way, a flag on the play. There's not. I mean, I'm talking about the. I'm talking about diversity, Karen. I'm talking about yeah, diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking like about diversity. That, that ain't no we shade. That was diversity. That was... But but what I'm, but bottom line is what I'm saying is this is so then how do you how do you get everybody on the same page right That's a lot of different diversity a lot of perspectives that that are different a lot of things that that you value and the hope is to figure out those things in which we all have some commonality, where we can all find some common ground and then we move forward on. Um, but it ain't always easy. Um, you know, one of my jobs that I had before I became chair was I was the uh, the floor director in the whip's office. And my job was to get the 218 votes in order to pass a bill on the floor of the house. Uh, you, we had 90 some members of the progressive caucus. We had 45 CBC members. Uh, 45 blue dogs, and and we could only lose 15 votes out of any of it. That was not always easy to find ways to get 218 people to to, to all be on one page. But you got to figure it out. You got to find it out and and find that common ground. So that means sometimes everybody's not walking away happy thinking that they are getting everything that they want, but you're trying to just continue to make progress. And that's, that's the thing that's really, really important that we have to do in our party. I'm I'm super frustrated. You know, um, as I mentioned, we we had Charles Booker on. We also had Gary Chambers on. I mean, these are some and they're not radical. These are people that are, you know, folk in the community that are just fed up with, you know, the same old, same old and decided to run. These are folk that live in a community. They live in a community and they're just tired of the same old, same old. And I feel like, you know, Charles Booker, while the message was shocking with the noose and Gary Chambers burning the Confederate flag, which, you know, I'm here for and rolling up a blunt and smoking it. I'm here for that, too, because I think this president can legalize federally uh, marijuana with the stroke of a pen. He can do that. So why why isn't he doing it? There's a messaging disconnect. And with January 6th, this these the hearings, which I was reluctant to watch because I feel like, once again, it's the same old, same old. And until, you know, I see Trump in handcuffs for his role in this insurrection and this act of sedition against his country, I feel like it's all hot air. How do we break this, Jamie Harrison? How do we stop the madness? 
Well, well, we know from the first hearing, 20 million people signed in to watch um, to watch those hearings. And Karen, as you know, those are significant numbers. Um, mm, actually, not more people watched Watergate. I mean, they had to. I mean, the, well, no. Well, I mean, the more people watched the Super Bowl. Well, no, the difference in, in terms of Watergate, a lot of people didn't watch Watergate during the times that it aired. Watergate, the hearings in Watergate aired during the day. Uh, what a lot of people watched were the recaps that took place on the evening news at night when they got home, because most people weren't home during the day. And so when you add all the culmination, but we know 20 million people during that time, and that was just on the networks. That's not counting people who watched it online or who watched it on Twitter or, or what have you. And so I think even more than that, watch that. That's a significant number. I, I think it blew away what expectations were for that. What this committee has done a really, really good job. And I, I tip my hat to Benny Thompson, who's the chairman of this committee. Um, what he has really, really done is, is start to lay out the case, which many of us who are in the know already knew, but for, for the first time for many American people getting a, a good sense of that this was planned, that it was co coordinated, that it was part of a huge sham. Uh, day two of the hearings, we heard about the sham, the big grift, $250 million that they grifted from people saying that they were going to an election fund and in essence, in essence went to Donald Trump's pocket. And I think we're going to continue to see them make this solid case that, that you know, there were some criminal actions that took place in this. Um, and, and going forward, that I think once they have made the case, what I want to see from the DNC and from, from the other entities is that we continue to promote that so that people understand here are the highlights. If you missed us because you watch Fox all the time, here are a few of the highlights that came out of this case. And listen, this isn't Democrats saying it, because this is also the masterful part of this hearing. You have not heard from somebody that is a Democratic activist, a Democratic member, a member of the Democratic Party. These are the words of Republicans, including the children of the president of the United States um, and his, for, his former attorney general. His campaign manager, like this isn't Democrats making shit up, uh, excuse me, making stuff up. This is, this is, this, these are the words coming out of Republicans about what happened during this series. And I think that's really, really powerful. Jamie, uh, I, I appreciate the passion, first of all. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that I'd love to note, though, is that there's not, there isn't going to be a criminal referral from these hearings though, right? I mean, this is really part of going to be part of the congressional record and then Democrats can basically campaign on what's happening here. And that that's all well and good, but it doesn't seem like anyone's going to be put in handcuffs after this. We're going to maybe get a better, bigger part of the story, but it's not going to change the 74 million people that voted for Trump. Well, Cena, I, I don't know that. I, I know that the other day that the attorney general said that they are watching, that they have been watching, that he's personally been watching these hearings and seeing what's come what's coming out of it. Now, what he does with that, that's, you know, I have no control over that. But but I think that's that's important to know that he and the prosecutors are looking at the 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 facts that come out of these hearings. Um, and the question is, what will they do, if anything, with it afterwards? Um, I hope if, if if my assertion is right that crimes were broken, 
then people need to pay the consequences because if they were black or brown, they would. Um, and so it's important that that if you know you break the law, that that justice has to be just for for all of us and not just for a select few. That's why I didn't want to watch uh, because we we all know that we witnessed this in real time. Many of us, I think a lot of us, I think even more of us were tuned in to what was going on on January 6th as it was unfolding. Yes, the details, some more horrific, but what's more horrific than police officers being beaten with flags and killed and crushed and, and <laughs> maimed and uh, and there not being any relief or help coming, no cavalry coming, them breaking the barriers and getting into our sacred halls of Congress and defecating and smearing stuff and sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk with their feet up and looking for AOC to rape her. Like we knew all of these details. I don't know what is going to change. And I feel like at some point the DNC, the democratic party has to abandon this notion that somehow you're going to win over by putting the message out. You're going to appeal to some better angels. They don't exist. Jamie Harrison, those folk have no better angels. There's no heart that you can uh, try to sway All you can do is double down on the people who don't show up, who would be Democrats, except they're so damn frustrated with a lack of messaging and more importantly, a lack of action uh, putting behind candidates that will actually make a difference. So that should be the double down. There's more than enough people who don't vote, who could vote and would vote for Democrats if they had a good reason to. You haven't given them a good enough reason. What are we going to do about that? Well, well, Karen, we we have to... uh... We have to continue to show people that there is a difference in your lives in terms of which party is in control. There's a huge difference in terms of, of, of just in terms of the quality of life uh, by somebody who a party who doesn't give a damn about you and a party who is fighting in order to improve the life for you and your family and your and your kids. And listen, I get it. People get frustrated. Um, and I, hell, I get frustrated all the time. Um, even as chair uh, of the party. But that doesn't mean that you just you you wash your hands of it. You give up and say, well, a pox on both of your houses, because I can guarantee you this. If the Republicans get back in control of the White House, if they get back in control of the House and the Senate, life for a lot of folks is going to get a whole lot worse. But um, I, 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 so here's, here's the cycle. Right. Republicans burn everything to the ground. They ruin the economy. They ruin everything. And then Democrats come in and try to save it. And then things get better. And then Republicans get elected and take credit for, for the low unemployment oh, and for the right. for the recovery. And then they come in and they shred things up and blow things to smithereens again. And then Democrats come in and try to fix it. And they put all of these things in place that they don't trump it every day. I'm doing this and this and this and this and this and this and this for you. This is my camp. This is, my, this is on my watch. And then Republicans get elected. We don't show up for the midterms. They get the House and the Senate. Nothing gets passed. And this has been a, the cycle for the last 15, 20 years. And it, so it has been a cycle it's going to be the cycle the again. Time. You see it, though. You see it, right? So all well, the things well, that the Biden administration has done, the next administration, maybe Trump again, is going to take credit for it. And then, you know, it's, it's rinse and repeat. Well, one of the things I think is important for us to understand as individuals and, and as citizens is that democracy isn't something that you can take vacation from. That you can't just you can't just participate in one election, get somebody elected and say, well, I'm done. 
I can now just hang up my hat and move on because that that is not the case. We got to constantly fight for this stuff. We got to constantly push on this. We got to constantly make sure that the right candidates are getting elected to office because the other side is not taking a vacation. The other side is not going to uh, uh, rest their laurels. Now, I was talking to some donors the other day, and they were talking about the difference between uh, Democratic donors and, and Republican donors. On the Democratic donor side, we, you, you know, the donors donate, then you get your people elected and say, well, I'm tired now, I'm going to take a break. Well, let me tell you the mentality on the Republican side. Their donors, if they lose office, they double down because you know what, we got to get back in office. And then when they win, they give even more because they are now in office. And so we want to keep our folks in office. We got to develop a mentality that we can't just take any time off. No, this we is gotta, not about money. This is not about money. No, AOC, well, no, I'm just, AOC, I'm, I'm, no, I'm just saying. That, but no, this is not about money. This is about messaging. This is about energy. This is about no. All, the all of is the, about a mentality. It it's is about, about a mentality, mentality. And, and, and it's, and the it's, mentality, it, it's the a, mentality doesn't just go. It, it, the mentality is the same thing on the on the fundraising side. It's the same thing on the voting side. It's the same thing on the organizing side. The mentality that we have to have in this side of the party is that we don't take time off, that we got to constantly push and we got to constantly knock on doors. And this is a mentality. And I'm not just saying this is all on the voters. Even the institutions that make up the Democratic Party have to develop a mentality that we don't take time off, that we got to constantly be organized and we got to constantly be engaging with voters in, in our communities. And that it's just not something we do for three months before the election. And then once the election's done, okay, let's put our foot up. Right. Like you all you of were, that has to change. You were supposed to come in with new, fresh energy. Right. As as head of the DNC. Different, something different. That's what I expected. You know, when you're, you're yeah. run, you're running South Carolina. I supported it. I was happy. You know, I was hopeful. Um, and when you you know, my first choice for that seat was Keith Ellison. I'm just going to be very transparent. But when you got it, I wasn't upset. I was like, oh, Jamie Harris is going to bring something young and fresh. He's out, you know, he's he's from this place. He knows what needs to happen. Do you think you've been successful? Do, would you call your 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 reign a success? Well, I, I think we have been successful on some fronts, Karen. But I think it's also important to understand that, you know, when you have a party and you have a culture in a party, that this idea that you can come in for two months and everything changes all of a sudden, it, I mean, that, that's some Disney World stuff because it, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you are, you are when you come into the system that has been running and operating in a way for, for 20 and 30 years where you got people who've been doing things in the organization for, for forever, like this idea that one person is going to come in and fundamentally change everything overnight it, it is some so why not expose stuff. all of the things that have been done that have been wrong so it's not you know and i'm trying to fix well, this this and this i mean you know gas is at five dollars democrats are getting blamed for inflation for for the recession for the stock market right now for the gas price for the lack of formula like it's all resting on joe biden which is going to trickle down to everybody else that's running and you're right there right next to joe biden as getting the blame for this and instead of like okay it's like you're absorbing it which means you're taking it, which means now your reign is a failure as a result of there not being a different message. Well, well, but this is the thing. It's not just about message. It's about organization too, Karen. Listen, I, I, ran, I ran a campaign 
and we we spent over a hundred million dollars on messaging that you could not walk you could not walk in in South Carolina and not hear about Jamie Harrison, not see anything about Jamie Harrison or what we were doing about Lindsey Graham, right? But the thing that we did not have, and partly was because of COVID, not because of, of the lack of desire, is that we didn't have the on-the-ground operation to get the votes out. So one of the things that I really wanted to concentrate on, and that's what we have concentrated on over a year, is building the infrastructure on the ground. Does that get all of the TV news? Is that is that the source of con conversations on interviews? No, because nobody wants to talk about knocking on doors and all that, because that's not that's not it. But that's what we've been building in the Democratic Party for over a year. We got the largest voter protection program in the history of the DNC. We have put voter protection staff on the ground and not just, you know, usually it happens in August. Then somebody says, well, maybe we should put some lawyers together and get ready for what may happen. We did this starting last year right? Last year. That is unprecedented in the Democratic Party. I have put $45 million into state parties. Everybody talks about Howard Dean and the 50-state strategy. What I have done for the 50-state strategy uh, in this cycle makes Howard Dean's thing looks like uh, you're shopping at Walmart instead of Rodeo Drive. Like, we have, we have put real resources in some of these states. I'm paying for a native director organizer uh, in Montana, right? These are in communities that have not gotten attention for decades. Those are, you, are not are the things that a lot of people are talking about. Are you doing it in Louisiana, which you actually, Louisiana? We're doing that in Louisiana. I can, I can tally and tell you the between the, the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars that we are putting on the ground in every state in the union. Is there a in list that state. we can look at? I'd like to look at that list. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to. I, I can give you some broad lines on the list. But in ballpark, because Gary Chambers is like he ain't put no money in Louisiana. I have to do. Well, see, Gary don't know what he's talking about. I love Gary and whatever, but he needs to talk to the state party people then. All right, Um, here's what we got to do: November, uh, because this is rhetoric until you know until show and prove. November, if the House and the Senate go back Republican, I think that you probably should resign. Oh, Karen, that's a bunch of hooey. Now we all we all know. We all know what happens in off-year elections for, for midterms. We know the history of all that. It's about building the operations for, uh, for the Democratic Party. So bottom line is this. I was asked to do this job by Joe Biden. I'm going to do my job that Joe Biden has asked me to do. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks who think they know what the DNC is supposed to do and don't have a damn clue. And so if, if folks feel like they understand that, please, please let me know. But messaging and TV ads is not, it's just one slight component of the things that we do. Right now I'm working on the 2024 presidential campaign. Uh, but that won't stuff. matter if you don't win in 2022. You're putting a cart before the, like if no, 2022, no, if you no, lose Karen, the house and the Senate, 2024 doesn't the problem, really the, matter. The problem that we have in this democratic party is we only think about short term. Well, what do we do in 2022? We got to think about what kind of party we want to be in 2032. I'm going to tell you, yeah, of- you're, you're not wrong. But they, the, scene, the single day that Joe Biden was elected, I'm like, everything has to be thrown at holding that House and that Senate. And once you realize that Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema were freaking traitors, that should have been like, 
all right, let's get four seats. What are the four places we can go to get four more seats? Because these two can't be trusted. And that should have so, been like everything so, should have been thrown in the kitchen sink. So, Karen, we're not doing that? I don't feel like it. Um, and I'm looking around. I'm like, I sit here every day. I talk to people all over the country. And these are the voters. These are people that vote. They they spend money on campaigns. They door knock. Even when they're not in the country, we got folk out of the country who are fighting for Democrats to win on, from this channel, from Joe Madison all the way through. And what they're he- telling me is that they're frustrated, that they don't feel like there's that energy. And you know that buzz because Stacey Abrams has that buzz. And she didn't need you to do that, Right. But I feel like, you know, the, the the things she was able to create with Chris and Latosha, Latasha Brown and Georgia were able to do to get Warnock and Ossoff elected. I don't feel like the DNC had their fingerprints on it, but they gave you the blueprint well, that should well, have been risked and repeated all over the country. Let me tell you, it wasn't just them building that. There were a lot of people building that. I yes. raised a million. No, no, let me tell you this. I raised personally a million dollars for Ossoff and Warnock between uh, November when I lost my election and January when they when they actually ran. Personally, a million dollars that I raised for the two of them. So there was a there are there are a lot of people, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, but there are a lot of people who can take uh, take credit for some of the things that that went together. And right now, there are what people are trying to do and what we are trying to do at the DNC is to build a stronger infrastructure for our party on the base and the grassroots level. That is what we spend most of our time doing each and every day, because that is fundamentally, fundamentally, that is going to be the most important thing. The people who are knocking on doors, the people who are, are doing the, the, uh, the, the grassroots efforts in, in these parties. Right now, we are, we are giving micro grants in states like Pennsylvania to small mom and pop and grandma groups on the ground to help them do the things that they know how to do so well in terms of getting the people to vote out in their communities. Again, that's not, there's probably something you don't even know that. that no, is I, I was going to just say, you know, because you're, you're going to be leaving soon. 866-801-8255. If you got a micro grant from the DNC, I would love to hear from you. I want to know what you're doing with it because I think this is where accountability has to come into play. We need, if you give and, money and, to and somebody, sure we that, need to see results. Well, and I can make sure that we, we, we get you um, some folks on that, Karen. But, but the, the, I mean, the bottom line is this. My team, we, we have a team at the DNC now almost 400, 500 people across this country who are working their asses off each and every day, Monday to, to Sunday, trying to build an operation in order to keep our majorities in the House, to keep our majorities in the United States Senate. And I, and I tell you, it, it, it does burn my buns a little bit. Uh, that folks don't appreciate the hard work that is going it's not, going in. It, it, listen, no, listen, it, it's, you, you're not you're working hard, not smart. And I feel like on well, no I, disrespect, I, I, Karen, no I, disrespect. I know you work hard. I know you, no. you're doing everything well, you think, you know, but there's we're, there, we're, there's, working, there's, we're working smart, too. It is Karen. A lot of folks and, and, and you may be included who think they know what we're supposed to do, but aren't getting a sense. No, have not, OK. All right. So let's, you know, let's uh, let's revisit because it's a show and prove time. Um, there are more, of course, um, primaries going on all over the country. But November will be, I think, the well, that, it's that always time. a test. Yeah, that would be, you know, whether or not. And I think at that point, you know, we have to do something different. And this is not personal and it should be no. personal for you. This should be about the future of this country. 
having these hearings and not result in an arrest of, of Donald Trump and the Congress people that gave the blueprints to these Cretans and walked them through and left doors open and windows open to not see that means that this country is pretty much done. And I don't know what we do with that, but that is the truth. And so, yeah. you know, the, the, this is not a game for many people in this country. You know, um, this is really serious and it's life and death. And at the same time, unemployment is at all time low. Their jobs, people are doing well, but there's a tale of two cities within this country and it's got to stop. And I think, you know, at some point there's got to be some accountability on the part of the people who are supposed to stop it. Um, I love that you are there. Um, and I wish that you uh, have a full recovery because I want you to be healthy, but I think something different has to be done. I don't know whether it's, you know, partnering with some of these influencers and I'm not talking about Cardi B and these handpicked people, but they're folk that are really on them in, in them streets that I think we cherry pick from the places that we're comfortable. And uh, it's time to get uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable for too many Americans. So well, um, I, I, I hear that every day when I'm out on the streets too, Karen, even when I get COVID from the streets, okay. I, I, I feel yeah. it. All I right. get it. Well, um, man, I, I, I really wish you had voted today because I, I want to see Mia McLeod or somebody because, you know, to, to see what's happening in South Carolina and what the possibilities are there. It's just, you well, know. And let me endless. tell you, on a personal level, I've been I've been doing a lot for South Carolina, really helped to get the vice president down there just recently um, for the party. I've been raising you know, because it's home. Right. That party is home. We gave our first voter registration grant at the DNC to South Carolina, to the South Carolina Democratic Party. Uh, when they come up short on payroll, is they call me up and Jamie Harrison, and I'm fundraising in order to do that. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure that all of these states, regardless of your blue state, purple state, or red state, that you can be able to compete, that you can go out there and reach out and talk to the voters, that we can get some of these folks from the communities employed. Uh, and doing things in order to build up uh, that grass tops operation. And so uh, it's something that that is in my heart because, listen, that's where I'm raising my kids. Um, uh, and it's important that we do it. Well, I um, thank you for coming, as always. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app. 